Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for taking the time out to join us. Uh, We do appreciate it. So without further ado, Rob and I have been uh, with the business now for about three and a half years. Um, It's been um, a really great experience for us to put IDOCs back into a strong position, both operationally and financially. I'm really pleased to report another strong uh, financial performance and um, a time of good strategic and operational progress in FY21. So for those of you who who know as well, you know that we have a real strength in uh, engineering and also in the public sector operation where over 90% of UK local authorities are customers have asked for one or more products. We have over 1,200 customers and over 600 employees now, principally in the UK, but also in Europe and India. And we have a really strong operation uh, generating strong revenues, strong recurring income and uh, strong EBITDA margins of over 30%. So what we'll do is we'll take you through some of the highlights, uh, the financial review where I'll hand over to Rob. I'll take you back through strategy and operations. Um, Rob will look at our M&A strategy going forward. I'll talk a little bit about ESG and our credentials there and and about the future outlook for the business. So the highlights in financial year 21, as I say, is that, uh, you know, Rob and I talk about this a, a lot internally. And of course, you know, our view is that on occasions, there's not a lot you can do that sometimes to affect your in-year financial results. But what you can do at all times is improve the quality of your business and the quality of your operations. And that invariably leads to good uh, results over over, uh, a protracted period of time. And as we've concentrated through our four pillars program and our three phases, which we'll come on to, uh, we have managed to see an improvement in our revenues in year. They're up by 9%. Our recurring revenues increased by 2% in the year. Our adjusted EBITDA was up 13%. And we're really pleased to further reduce our debt. And that's down by half over the course of the year. It was also a busy year. Um, in February of last year, we um, had an inquiry about the business, as you'll recall, from Diane Durham. And on top of that, We disposed of our content business, uh, which was based in Germany and Holland, in two separate transactions. And we recycled that cash to acquire three very strong public sector software operations, which add uh, significantly to our capabilities in our core operational areas. So really pleased with the activities during the course of the year. And as I said, we're very clear that we have four pillars, which we'll come on to, and three phases. Um, those of you who, as I say, have been following the IDOC's journey will know that we move through our work on run phases. We feel we're very much into our fly phase now. So having you know, established all of the core operating activities in the business and improved the way that we manage the business, we now feel we've set the foundation blocks in play to be able to uh, grow the business organically, consistently, single mid-digits, and also to be able to add to our portfolio through very targeted M&A, to be able to add to our product portfolios and to increase the scope and the range of our software products that we can offer to existing customers. So it's our aim over the next period of time to you know, push the business on 
uh, hopefully to get towards a uh, half billion market cap. And to do that by establishing a business which follows the rule of 40 principle. So, you know, mid single digit growth, 35%, around 35% margins uh, to give us a rule of 40 business and to show a consistent move forward. And we'll do that by focusing continually on cloud and SaaS operations, focusing always on margins. You know, we, we know as a business that it's sometimes very easy to grow a business, but it's much more difficult to ensure that you don't lose or leak those margins. So we, we focus on operational excellence to ensure that whatever we can throw through our revenue line also works to come through at the bottom in terms of improved profits and importantly, improved cash. And as I say, we'll look to grow the business both uh, organically at mid-single digits and add to the business, um, leveraging um, our, our, our good um, position with cash to fund new uh, M&A activity uh, of the like that you've seen this year. And we'll um, have a small review of that as we go forward so that you can see the types of businesses we're bringing into the portfolio and also see the effect that they can have on both our top and bottom line. So with that, I'm going to hand over to Rob, and he's going to take us through the highlights of the financial review. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, thanks, Dave. I think, as, as ever, you've stolen all my good lines. So thank you for that. Uh, uh, but yeah, mor morning, everybody. This slide quotes the financial highlights from, from our announcement today, which hopefully everybody's had a, an opportunity to see. Uh, so revenue is up strongly, which we'll, we'll surely see as we move through the side deck as a combination of PSS and division having a, a really strong year, albeit that's mitigated somewhat by our EAM business, which continues to see some mark heavens. And again, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to some of those reasons. Uh, recurring revenue increased quite nicely in our PSS business, assisted by the, the contributions of our, our three excellent acquisitions in the year, which you know, we are really pleased with, but we'll, we'll come to and, and provide a bit more detail with that. And we're really pleased with the, the EBITDA result in the year, you know, up, up 13%, I think is a really strong result for any size or shape of business, quite frankly. And, you know, it's largely due to the better quality of, of revenue and, and ongoing cost control, which are clearly themes that we've been talking about for a number of years now, both in terms of sort of sales governance, improving revenue mix and, and revenue quality, but also sort of proper financial discipline just in, in the day-to-day -day operations of the business alongside you know the, the key strategic decisions as we look to scale the business both organically and, and inorganically. Similarly as we move down the PL and again we'll, we'll come to this with a bit more detail but um, earnings per share fully diluted adjusted earnings per share is up strongly up 54% on a uh, fully diluted and adjusted basis which is you know a, a pretty incredible number um, and it reflects the strong drop of the uh, sort of EBITDA contribution. I've just referred to that was assisted by the FX on our six billion bond, which again we'll, we'll come to shortly. And that debt continues to topple down in, and is now you know, a pretty modest figure for us, quite frankly, in, in the context of our, our earnings power. So net debt has halved in the year. And, and actually, if you sort of wind back to where this journey started for Dave and I towards the end of, of 18, start of 19, there's actually a quarter of, of where that figure was then. So it was well over 30 million at that point. And actually, when you, you strip out our bond, which is about 11 million balance, we, we have a net cash position with, with our banks around three, three million quid, which... Um, when you sort of combine that with the available RCF of, of 35 million, um, you know, we're extremely well positioned to, to capitalise on our creative value, which again we'll come to. 
And finally, really pleased to, to announce, you know, following the, the, the reintroduction of the dividend last year, that we're, we're continuing to ramp that up year in year in, in line with a progressive policy that we've talked about before. So up 33% year on year. And again, I think we've been very clear that the strategy for the business is to use excess cash, cash generated to go and, and, and build shareholder value, both through organic investments, but clearly buy and build. Um, but we do see the payment of dividends a, a good sort of hygiene factor, really a good sign of, of good financial discipline along the way. So as I noted in my introductory slide there, we did see a good performance in public sector software really across the portfolio, you know, for, for most um, sort of product families, but in particular our, our local authority regulatory services division, which which includes IDOS Cloud. So this is our sort of core of uh, planning, building control, and public protection uh, application software saw saw a very strong strong year. Uh, we saw good levels of, of order intake in the year as as we just saw increased demand from existing customers as they were looking to us for more support with their existing deployments, particularly as they themselves were, were sort of getting squeezed in terms of headcount. And we, we talked previously about our, our sales stratification. We, we've had a full year now of both our inside sales team and our uh, revenue assurance team which which will come to so we've been extremely well positioned to, to capitalize on that interest and uh, during the year of run a number of uh, marketing campaigns which have directly underpinned the increase in, in services orders as orders that we've seen uh, noted uh, our acquisitions obviously had a big part to play in the year you'll probably be pleased to know there's no content slide in this deck anymore it is just pss and, and EAM. but in terms of pss acquisitions contributed around uh, 1.8 million of revenue in the period and, and we'll, we'll come to some of the run rate figures shortly but taking that out of the picture you know the pss division delivered an underlying increase of five and a half percent which we're really pleased with and is directly in line with our um, sort of previous and ongoing guidance and this increase in revenue dropped really strongly through the PL. you know again to my earlier comments around good uh, cost discipline i mean we are investing across our business just to be clear you know we're investing in, in, in a number of areas not just r d but also investing in people throughout our business um, but we're doing that at a sensible pace and doing that in a targeted way and, and certainly in line with with our planned growth so as I say, uh, revenue dropped very strongly through the P&Ls. We saw EBITDA up in our PSS division by two and a half million to 18 million in total. Uh, so on to EIM, and again, as, as noted in my introductory remarks, really, I mean, EIM did continue to see market headwinds uh, during the year across its, its sort of historical oil and gas market, but more generally across the large infrastructure type construction sectors, which have obviously seen quite a slowdown with some of the COVID restrictions, particularly throughout the back end of 20 and, and, and 2020. Generally, consumption you know, driving lower levels of, of activities during those, those periods. We have seen that start to reverse recently, which I think is helpful. And you know, we, we can also see uh, consumption generally starting to tick up as, as restrictions around the world do start to, to drop. And we've seen numerous sort of positive engagements um, just in the last six months, which um, we see as, as, as very positive data points actually for, for the large scale construction generally that, that those, those guys are open for business and for us as ever uh, provides a good opportunity. I mean, the, we, we, we always remain extremely confident in the EIM business, not, not just the existing installed base, but the uh, continued interest for the, the new SaaS-based Fusion Life product. So, um, you know, whenever we see a change in the market in our favour, we feel very well positioned to execute on that. 
despite that that revenue decrease that, that I mentioned there was about a 9% revenue decrease, we actually made a lot of progress in integrating EIM into the core of, of what we now call IDOC software. So this time last year, we were talking about separate divisions, PSS, EIM, and content. Um, we now largely run PSS and EIM as a single IDOC software business. Um, and you can see that really coming through in, in the margins that we managed to really keep stable despite the decrease in revenue. So it, it's actually shown as a point one on this slide, but that's unfortunately a, a sort of consequence around it. We actually stayed relatively flat year on year. And again, it's a really good opportunity for us going forward as, as we do see uh, the market start to improve and our ability to capitalise that. Again, the EIM is very well placed, both in the revenue and from an earnings point of view. Moving on to the primary statements, I think most of these are fairly self-explanatory and probably repeating things that we, we've covered, but every line pretty much on the income statement has seen very strong year-on-year -year increases, you know, either in line with or, or in excess of what we've talked about at an adjusted uh, EBITDA level. We had no material restructuring or refinancing line items. And, you know, those of you that have tracked RDOPS for a few years will know we had a fair few of those in, particularly in FY19, as the business was being reshaped and to a lesser extent, some of those in 20. We had none of those in FY21. And uh, whilst we did do a financing extension, we largely did that within our payments. The other thing to probably flag, as I mentioned at the start, really, was we did see a, a helpful 0.8 gain for our docs uh, for our 6pm Maltese bond, which we still retain through to its maturity date in 2025. So that was largely a consequence of the beneficial FX movement, because that's a euro-denominated uh, bond. Moving on to the balance sheet, again, largely in, in line with prior years and, and certainly in line with what you'd expect really from an IP-led software business. So a large amount of intangibles, both from sort of previous periods, uh, R&D capitalization, but also acquisition, a bunch of working capital, and then clearly you know, deferred income for uh, subscription invoices in advance. Probably the, the most interesting thing to, to pull out really is the VAT deferral. So as with most businesses, indeed, I think as with every business in the UK in 2020, we, we took the government up on their offer to defer the VAT bill interest-free, which happened to coincide with an invoicing peak for us. So it was a very helpful number. So whilst we deferred VAT of around 3.8 million in FY20, uh, that's been largely repaid. Now we paid two thirds of that in FY21 with the balance being paid over the coming months. I think actually January is the last month. Um, so you'll, you'll see that as a large working capital swing in the numbers, but excluding that, um, that cash conversion continues to, to remain very, very strong for IDOX and you know, consistent with previous periods and certainly no reason to think that won't continue going forward. All, all the other movements largely attributable to our acquisitions and disposals in the period. I mean, the, the obvious one is in the intangibles line uh, where we'll, we, we recognise a, a bunch of intangible assets associated with the three businesses that we brought on. Uh, and then a handful of, of, of sort of debtor and creditor type balances through a combination of deferred consideration, earn outs, uh, a bond, a small bond payable on, dis on one of the disposals. And of course, a slightly different profile of the, the actual working capital balances as we've disposed and then acquired different shaped businesses. And then moving on to, to cash flow again, you know, at the risk of sounding boring, in line with, with prior periods, with the, the one notable exception, really, the, the VAT deferral mentioned previously. I guess the other notable thing is that we, we have largely uh, or significantly reduced the actual drawings that we have under our facilities. So at the time of uh, the initial sort of COVID hits back in 2020, we took the decision to fully draw our facilities as part of our defence, which, again, a lot of businesses did. 
as it turned out, adults proved extremely resilient throughout that whole period. And uh, so during the year, um, to the decision to, to repay that to the extent that we didn't need it. And so that's, it, it doesn't affect net debt because the whole thing gets gets nested off net debt, the excess cash versus the higher debt balance still gives you the same net debt balance. But in terms of the gross figures, um, their lower constituent figures and obviously uh, lower RCF drawing equals uh, slightly lower interest versus fee. And as, as I mentioned at the start, if you were to exclude the 6pm bond, which is largely a static balance for us, to be honest, aside from the interest we pay every year, we actually had net cash in hand of around 3 million at the end of the year, which with our RCF, 35 million and 10 million accordingly available, leaves us very well capitalised to pr- progress with the uh, bond build strategy. Moving on to, to future guidance slide, which I, I know quite a few people find quite helpful. Uh, probably just wanted to, to flag at the outset, really, that this hasn't really changed since last year, which I guess is helpful for everybody involved and really is a sign to the stability of, of the IDOX business. I'll just run through the boxes from, from an organic growth point of view. You know, we continue to think that the mid single digits is, is the right guidance for our public sector software business. You know, that, that reflects the, the underlying trends that we see. We are continuing to see uh, good service uh, requests for our, uh, from our customers and, and continue to work very hard on, on CPI and also uh, increasing market share. But the reality is the markets do churn relatively slowly. So we think mid-single digits is, is the right guidance. Similarly on EIM, you know, notwithstanding my more positive comments earlier on, again, mid-single digits feels the, the right figure for EIM. We, we remain optimistic that we'll outstrip that for all the reasons that I've previously outlined but in terms of guidance yeah that's that's that single digits feels like the right place and margin wise Dave, Dave touched on it in his slides so we are continuing on the path to increase margin we, we saw uh, EBITDA margins tick out one percent in 21 versus 20 and very much expecting to continue that path through to the goal of around 35 through a combination of um just doing a bit more internally, particularly as we scale the business organically, just getting a, a bit of a better mix. And of course, acquisitions are, are very important for us. We'll see as we come through, but our ability to scale those businesses at very high margin actually is relatively material for the adults group as a whole. In terms of non-trading items, as I mentioned, very little to no restructuring and refinancing the cost in the year. I've touched on sort of cash conversion and ongoing liquidity. As, as I mentioned, really pleased that we've been able to increase the dividend by a third, which I, I think is a pretty good figure by any measure, and certainly in line with our previous comments around the progressive dividend policy. And the final comment really is it's just a bit of blue, just to confirm for the avoidance of doubt, you know, we are very much on plan for the year. So we're approaching our quarter end. Year end is long behind us and quarter end closes in, in three days. Uh, so always something to do. But uh, yeah, today very much on plan and no reason to think that we won't be on plan for the full year. And I think that's me, if I can pass back to you, please, Dave. Thanks, Rob. As Rob's pointed out, you know, a great year of sort of execution coming through in, in the financial results, really. Um, and I think uh, hopefully people who follow us find us really consistent on an ongoing basis. Having defined the strategy, most of our time now is just in the operational execution so you know hopefully the strategy is clear and uh, you know it allows us just to focus day to day on the things that, that sort of in, in, empower that strategy and, and make it effective and uh, as i say i think we're pleased with this set of results because it just shows that that strategy has played out very well good quality improvements right across the business you know i think a real advancement in uh, our m a strategy 
the disposal of the content business, two good businesses there that, that we sold, but uh, appendages really to the ongoing activities within the group. And so uh, it's been great to find those good new homes for us to, as we said, recycle the cash to bring in assets that we think are of higher quality with the assets that we also have in the group elsewhere. So the acquisition of aligned assets, I think we're an exegesis, really offered us a much greater focus and depth of experience in our core operating markets and gave us access to near adjacencies and some some really good depth of understanding and knowledge around GIS. Um, and as we know, where uh, clients are looking to improve the way that they display and promote uh, engagement, then, then that is a, is a really significant asset for us to bring into the group. Rob and I have continued to spend, because we've got a good operational team here at IDOX, uh, Jonathan Legden, our COO, uh, uh, runs, a, runs a great team of people. And uh, so that's allowed Rob and I to spend a little bit more time uh, developing out our M&A efforts uh, in both sourcing and managing pipeline opportunities. And Rob's going to come back and talk a little bit about those in a couple of moments. We continue to work on our CRM. I think everyone's familiar with the work that we've done there. During the course of this fiscal, we'll seek to put our professional services work also alongside the work that we've done in our sales aspects with Salesforce. And that will continue to improve the quality of the work we're able to do for clients and the visibility of the transactions that we engage with them on. One thing I'm also really pleased about in the course of the last uh, 12, 18 months has been our focus on where we actually engage in our offshore activity. Um, so, uh, what, again, when, when we first arrived here at ICE, there were, there were several small development activities offshore in, in lots of different locations, and that really didn't make any sense. Um, we've been able to bring all of our activities together um, into one center now in Pune in India. Um, Kailash has joined us to run up um, that facility. And indeed, I think probably about half of our hiring plan uh, during the course of FY22 will be to build out um, on a larger basis our activities out in Pune. We are continuing to focus on innovation and the way our products work for clients, and, and particularly, as we said, the, the movement to the cloud. And we've also invested really heavily in, in our people here at IDOX. We had just over 30 people go through the IDOX leadership program last year. This year in 22, we'll have about 70 more people go through that program of work. And so, you know, we're actually investing to be ready for the growth that we see coming through in the business. You know, we'd like to believe that uh, in the majority of cases, um, leadership of, of our new activities can come from the people that we already have here in the business. And so it's been quite exciting for us to see so many people engage in a meaningful way with the business and, and want to progress their careers in that way. Uh, and of course, environmental, social and governance aspects, I, I know are very hot for, for lots of investors, um, but they're also you know, very important to the customers that we're serving. And so we feel it's really important to reflect the emphasis that they're putting onto those things within our business and also to reflect the type of activities that people who work for IDOX want to see uh, an IDOX um, governance uh, operating under. And so I'll cover that a little bit later uh, in, in the deck. So everyone on the call will know about our four pillars, revenue expansion, gross margin improvement, simplicity and communication. I don't intend to take you heavily through this slide. I'll just pull out a couple of things because I, I think they're significant. You know, we've 
we've now got everyone within our group managed via our CRM. I think that's really important. You know, the acquisitions as we bring them on board, it's, it's one of the things that we prioritize to try and pull through and ensure that we get a, a really good comprehensive view of, of how that works. And that allows us immediately to add a little bit of value to the acquisitions that, that we bring on board. In terms of our gross margin improvement, I think we've made some really great progress on our data conversion processes, but also in the release of new products like LilyHub, which is a, a SaaS self-service platform for the sexual health product that we have, uh, which operates across the health sector. Uh, in simplicity, you know, we, we're just constantly, constantly chipping away at things that we feel are unnecessary or an administrative burden or you know, create uh, blockages in the business. Uh, and that continues uh, at a pace. And on the communication front, um, you know, we've, 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 we've spent quite a bit of time looking at ways in which we can improve our customer communication. I think you'll have seen a lot of improvements in our branding over time, uh, certainly thinking about, you know, the IDOCs do more rebranding that, that took place a little while back. And we've stepped up um, the level of white papers and engagement that we have to do a little bit more thought leadership and try and get to uh, help our customers understand those challenges and, and trends that are coming down the road such that you know they're well placed to um, deal with them when they do actually arrive. And with that, I'm going to hand back to Rob, who's going to talk about uh, elements of the fly phase and what we can do for our buy and build strategy. So we've presented this slide before, so hopefully it's relatively familiar to the group. But, um, you know, as, as we sort of commented on our walk, run, fly terminology, we can now consider ourselves firmly in, in the fly stage of our progression to, to steal one of Dave's lines. We can see us, our feet lifting off the floor. Um, and, and so for us, really, that's, that's two sort of big bodies of activity. Clearly, it's continuing to, to grow the business organically and, and specifically through bolt-on acquisitions, which uh, we'll come to shortly. In, in terms of the growing the business organically, I mean, Dave just sort of got a few really interesting anecdotes there. It, it remains a constant topic of discussion throughout the business under these, these various headings, um, which are broadly organised under a four-pillar strategy. Um, and as, as I sort of mentioned, we remain focused on, on scaling our business through buy and build as, as we look for our respective, but often uh, subscale businesses that, that we can source and bring into the IDOPS group to use our collective resources to grow. So we've, we've provided an update to this previous slide that we presented, I think, half year was the first time we did it in, in respect of our Tesco and acquisition. So for most people, I think, will know that was our first acquisition back in July 19. And we've since rebranded the Hardots Cloud, as I mentioned before. This provides sort of cloud solutions in, in the local authority regulatory services area. This slide demonstrates, you know, there's really good opportunity for these sort of, dare I say it, subscale businesses, but, but certainly well-respected, certainly well-respected products in their niches. This, there's really good opportunity to develop these businesses and, and provide you know, various streams of support from IDOCs across a number of strategical, but also sort of operationally practical uh, areas that IDOCs can bring support and focus. And, and the colour that arose on, on this slide, I think, are really good indications of some of the you know, day-to-day, week-to-week things that we can bring, as well as the uh, more sort of conceptual uh, support around strategy to both support the local teams to get more product in front of more customers, but also where needed to, to help deploy capital to accelerate things. Yeah, we, we really like this slide. We think the slide's good evidence of, um, you know, when, when things go really well with, um, 
you know, sourcing, inquiring and managing these businesses. And, and of course, we're very pleased to have done three of those in, in FY21, which we've done a summary for on, on this slide with very brief details about what the businesses do and their broad sort of sizes on an annualized basis. So these are effectively the annualized run rates coming out of FY21 going into FY22. And we're really pleased with these three acquisitions. Obviously, we, we announced each one of these in the year. So if you, you do need some more information, feel free to dig out some of those announcements. But in each case, it's it's, it's proven. It, it was anticipated to be, and has since proven, to be a really strong combination, both for our docs and, and the sellers, um, but also for our sort of collective customers and, and, and people. We've sort of proved time and time again, Ardox is a really good home for these businesses, both in terms of um, taking them that step further for, for the existing staff and customers and the products. Um, but also for the, the owner managers, you know, whether they're looking to stay in the business and um, bring their experience and knowledge to bear and with IDOX's support, take them to the next level or indeed looking to exit for, for personal reasons. And, and again, we feel like we can sell a very strong proposition. IDOX is a, a very good home for those businesses. And we're really pleased that the capital values that, that we've achieved for these businesses um, we feel this represents a good, good use of shareholder capital and, and in particular we've been able to structure the couple of deals uh, in, in a way that makes a lot of sense for the seller as, as well as for our dogs and um, again I think this is a really good use of our capital particularly in the year that we, we have sold those two content businesses we actually ended up net cash neutral across all five transactions which was helpful um and uh so yeah really really sort of pleased with that process the, the, the only other sort of thing i'd mention on, on capital value is it's it's interesting it's almost more interesting what's not on this slide so we're very very pleased with the, the three that we secured in the year but of course as, as dave's alluded to there is a whole pipeline process behind this um and a number of opportunities that that are at various stages, including some that um, you know are relatively well developed. But we have had numerous examples where uh, the conclusion ultimately has been that, that the product fit isn't quite right, or indeed that the the capital value just doesn't work for us. And um, we're we're pretty confident in our own abilities, and in, in both in terms of operational execution, but also in our M and A sourcing abilities, that we can hold the loan quite rightly on, on those sorts of discussions. And so, therefore, the ones that do come through for um, completion. You know, we're, we're really pleased with both how they bring new products and skills into the IDOX group, but as I say, with the, the capital levels that we pay. Uh, we've also included a slide this time on, on integrations. Uh, it seems a fairly obvious question given the volume of, of acquisitions we're now doing. And of, of the three acquisitions, we've made really good progress with the integrations and, and certainly remain on plan for all three. So as you can see from the circles, which I know Dave's a particular fan of, um, we, we've completed the migration of people and back offices, uh, back office functions to IDOC systems, so both online assets and, and thinkware. So that's um, everybody, you know, customers, staff, and suppliers within the IDOC statutory company on IDOC T's and C's. And we're in, we're in the process of completing that for exegesis, which uh, will complete over the coming weeks and months. Uh, from a commercial point of view, the, the three transactions are at slightly different stages, which is what you'd expect given they've happened at different points in the year. In the case of aligned assets, we've completed the sort of go-to-market alignments and largely completed the, the technical product integration with a few remaining technical integrations that I know are produced complete over the coming month. In the case of Think, we're still working with our teams to, to fully embed the commercial approach, particularly for, for new business, but the integration of the product is uh, extremely well developed. In fact, it's largely complete and I, I know the GIS platform and team but, uh, settled very quickly into our broader sort of technical products, land and property efforts. And finally, exegesis uh, you 
know, similarly being adopted uh, into our land and property GIS efforts, GIS being geo information systems, by the way. Um, and the half moon just reflects, you know, where we are in, in the process. So uh, we closed the exodus transaction in October, so uh, three and a half months on, excluding uh, Christmas. We, we've done a great deal, a bit more to do, but in summary, exactly where we thought we would be at this stage. We, we, we touched on some of these themes before, but again, a, a brief summary, really, of the types of businesses we're looking for as part of our buy and build strategy. The, the goals are unchanged. We've used this slide before and, and having gone through the exercise numerous times over the last 12 months, not just with the three that we've closed, because as I've said, the others that um, we have decided not to, we're still very happy with this as a successful criteria, both for, for IDOPS group, but also for potential sellers. Uh, so again, in summary, you know, looking for the smaller owner-managed businesses that have typically reached our inflection point where they have a decision to make around the need to uh, put additional investment into the business, whether that's external investment or, or from their own resources. Um, and we think we we have a very strong proposition to provide an alternative to that. You know, with our scale and, and public sector market positions, you know, we can provide immediate support in terms of go-to-market. We can. Um, bring experience and actual um, account management uh, contacts to, to some of these businesses very quickly. And as well as that, just, just help with the operations and back office. In, in many cases, many cases it's completely removing the back office. In, in other cases, it's uh, helping to optimise operations, such as maybe taking support overhead out of the development team so the development team can focus exclusively on, on product management and, and delivering product, etc. Um, and as I mentioned earlier on, you know, the, the model's proven to be very successful uh, for the uh, for the sellers, you know, whether they're staying in the business to continue the journey with IDOX, both in respect of the acquired business, but also, you know, to help with the uh, IDOX effort more generally, or indeed whether um, the plan is for, for them to exit as part of the session plan, which, which is the case with exegesis, by the way, they've been very clear with that. Um, again, you know, we feel that IDOS is a very good time for those businesses to, to take them on. So in summary, no, no change to target profile. Um, we're, we're really pleased with how the efforts are going and, of course, especially pleased with the three that we completed in FY21. Of course, now we look to FY22 for the next ones. I'll pass back to you. Thanks, Dave. Great. Thanks, Rob. Um, I was reading a report this morning that said uh, one in three councils doesn't have... Uh, uh, a, a plan in place to deal with the climate crisis. Um, our experience of dealing with the public sector generally is that you know they are very determined um, to see uh, that they're working with responsible clients. And indeed, you know, in terms of their own local initiatives of community engagements, many of these things are, are paying playing an increased uh, prominence in their decision making activity. So it's something we take. Uh, very, very, very seriously. Uh, so in FY21, we formed the SG Steering Committee. That's run by Innoble. I'm a participant in that. But fundamentally, we're there to set out uh, our performance goals and targets. And in our annual report this year, you'll see that we've adopted the, the TCFD reporting guidelines. And we've also then tried to put all of our initiatives around our people, communities, environments, and our organization responsibilities in line with the SDGs that are, I think, categorized under each of those areas. So the UN SDGs that we support are clearly identified as we run forward with our uh, ESG responsibilities moving forward. So I think collectively that provides a really solid platform uh, for IDOPS to uh, embrace 
uh, the work that's going on um, around ESG. And, and as I said, uh, as well as doing the TCFD frameworks, we're also uh, meeting requirements to streamline energy and carbon reporting regulations and working within the three scopes of the, of the greenhouse gas protocols as well. So we've made a commitment to being carbon net zero carbon neutral by 2040. And as I say, I'll just guide you to the annual report where you'll be able to see the goals and the targets that we've set out there for the forthcoming periods. But the main aim with this is I think a lot of organizations are concerned and worried that this is a sort of extra administrative burden on their business. We take the approach that says, look, it's just part of our ongoing day-to-day activity. So, you know, uh, we always say at IDOCs, we're not average people, we're extraordinary people. So extraordinary people grab hold of these things and embrace it as part of their normal operating activity. And, and, and that's the approach that we've taken. So you'll be able to see some very positive uh, engagement on that for us as we move forward. So very quickly and in summary, our markets, software solutions, high levels of recurring revenue provides a lot of resilience for the business. We've got strong recurring income and a good order book, which provides great visibility to earnings. The sales pipeline remains positive. It's in line with our budget assumptions and our expectations for this year. The acquisitions we made, as Rob's described, are integrating well into plan. And I think we've got a reasonable level of ongoing M&A opportunity. Uh, we continue to work hard at that. Um, but we would expect uh, to do well with that as we go through the course of FY22. And as Rob pointed out, in, we're absolutely in line with our expectations and trading uh, for the current year. So we're really well positioned, we think, for our fly stage. We're looking forward to the next 12 months and creating some more value for, for customers and shareholders. And with that, we're going to draw a breath. And we, Rob and I would be very happy to take any uh, questions that you might have with us. And we've got a question from Steve Robertson from Canaccord. Are you at all worried on the weaker order book at PSS year on year? Um, now, I appreciate the absolute number is small-ish versus the overall group turnover number. But that's my first question. And then my second question. Um, are, and you've gone through the, the acquisition strategy, but are larger acquisitions possible? I guess by larger, I'm talking sort of 25 million and up. And have you looked at anything of that size? Those were my two questions. Just on the, the, the order book, the, the morning, by the way, Steve, good to hear from you. Thanks for the question. Um, so the, the, there's a couple of, there have been a couple of very sizable projects in, in IDOCs for a few years now, actually. Um, we've referenced previously the uh, Metrolinx uh, transport project over in Toronto, Canada. But last year, uh, we announced, I'm pretty sure we announced the uh, Scottish E-Count win. Um, and both those contracts are sort of multi-million pound contracts for us. And, and then it's, it's it, we have a slightly, well, it's unusual, but those are the only two big contracts that are docs by quite some distance. We then have, you know, a very high volume of, of typically smaller orders. And so the, the decrease in order book is simply a function of delivery under those two contracts. So the Metrolinx contracts we've, we've had for three or four years now, the Scottish Sea count we've had for about a year, I think. Um, and so on contract, the order book jumped up significantly with those two entries. And as we're delivering them to plan, it's, it's just come down as, as planned. If you were to strip out those two large items, the underlying order book is actually consistent year. In fact, I think it's up slightly um, given some of the increased order intake we've seen. Uh, in terms of acquisition, Steve, yeah, I mean, we, uh, as you know, we're quite ambitious people. We like to be slightly understated, um, but 
uh, that should never hide our, our ambitions. I think the, the important thing for us with the acquisitions is that we felt we were in the right organizational shape to be able to uh, absorb, uh, demonstrate shareholders that you know we're, we're a good place for these types of assets and we can deliver better outcomes with them being part of the group. And I think, as, as you saw with the Suscomus slide, we're doing that. Um, and I think as, as we've prepared ourselves organizationally, we, we feel we have the capacity and, and the capabilities to take on uh, larger deals. So we're certainly not excluding those. Um, we think we found it a good niche that offers opportunity for us to you know, uh, continue to add to the portfolio by using our own cash reserves. Um, and I think as we go forward, I, I hope you know, that will give everyone confidence that you know, there, there are larger deals that, that would make sense for, for IDOCs that we, we also could be entrusted to go and execute on. So we're certainly, we always have a wash and brief on those things and, and they get quite a lot of debates on a regular weekly basis. So um, we're definitely not shy to those things. We just want to make sure that they were the, the right things at the right time. And we'll go to George O'Connor at Stiffel. As we uh, think about fly, uh, two quickies from me, please. Um, do you have any amber lights on your dashboard, or, or as Rob would uh, draw, incomplete circles? And then secondly, as we think about non-recurring in PSS, and uh, comments in there around uh, term licenses, is this uh, a reflection of, of residual technical debt um, in there? Is there sort of a product roadmap to bring those to subscription and recurring products? Thank you. Uh, in terms of amber lights, you know, we're, we're constantly running um, our assessments of the business and, um, you know, we're a fully risk managed business. So, yeah, in that sense, so um, you know, very mature company in terms of thinking about our markets, our customers, our product sets and the suitability, the competition um, and all of those things. I, I would say that, um, you know, we're constantly thinking about the market spaces in which we operate. Um, we're, we're, we're sort of conscious that the public sector has a lot to do and certainly through COVID it, it's been a challenging time for clients um, you know they're, they're constantly under pressure working from home uh, and adapting to new models of working has, has been awkward uh, remembering that often they're dealing with very complex issues um, and you know their ability to absorb change can, can just be diminished through environmental activities that are outside of their control. So, you know, our aim during this period is to make things as easy as possible uh, for our customers and, and support them as well as we possibly can and offer them easier and smoother transitions in, into, into cloud and SaaS as we go forward. Um, you know, the Log4j thing that happened last year was, you know, yet another one of those things that sort of added a further burden of, of activity to a lot of customers and we were just keen to be able to help clients, not that there are any issues with the, the things that we're providing and doing, but we just wanted to make sure wherever possible that we could help and assist on, on those things as we go. So I think, you know, in terms of amber lights, I don't think it's an amber light, but I think it's the one that always you know, comes to mind is just making sure that, you know, the market condition under which we're operating is, is, is appropriate and we're dealing with it in, in exactly the way that, you know, we, we ought to for a company of our stature in. In, in terms of uh, sort of levels of recurring revenue, I think that partly answers some of it as well. Actually, I mean, we've, we've been very clear for a few years now that 
um, various parcel portfolio are on the journey to cloud at, at slightly different speeds. Some are there, some are, are on-premise and, and various sort of shades of gray in between. And, and the big one for us are, are sort of moving from a very, very well-established sort of local authority regulatory services business to what was Toscomi, now IDOC's cloud. Um, and, and uh, you know, for all the reasons that Dave just described there in terms of uh, speed of change in the market, you know, we, we've been very clear all along that that is definitely a multi-year uh, exercise. Um, you know, we're uh, more than happy to continue to um, support customers wherever they are on that journey, you know, whether they, for whatever reason, uh, need to continue with an on-premise deployment through to whenever they are at the point that they're able to move through to cloud. So, so, so none of that's changed, but very, very much, you know, continuing on that sort of longer-term trajectory. The only other thing I, I just flag uh, specifically on, on the results in FY21, we, we talked about it quite a bit at the half year, but less so now. Uh, less of the full year actually just because the impacts averaged down a little bit but um, we did see a few sort of noticeable uh, noticeable things that just held back our recurring revenue slightly in a few different parts of the business there, there was all, uh, a couple of discrete pockets so notably EIM for the reasons that we talked about before and also they uh, had a couple of sort of client-side corporate activities one of which was a, a bankruptcy unfortunately um, and then we also uh, saw some, some some much slower in fact small decreases in our social care and um, uh, some of our sort of health type activities again just as uh, activity customer side was was slowing down a bit it, it wasn't anything to do with sort of competitive losses or anything like that it was it was more the market conditions and our ability to, to sell more into those markets for all the reasons discussed you know as, as, as things are settling that down a bit more now in those respective markets we feel very well positioned for that uh, going forward so um, you know we're uh, much more hopeful, stroke ambitious, stroke planning for increases in year-on-year -year organic recurring revenue rates along the lines of what we've guided for PSS overall, i.e. mid-single digits. Um, we'll go to James Locke here from Peel Hunt. A couple, a couple of questions from me, please. Um, it'd be good to hear a little bit more about the um, the, the Poon, act, uh, Poon act activities and the outsourcing there. You mentioned it's half of the hiring plan for 2022. How, how much how, how might you be able to leverage that further as you continue to expand and see more operational efficiencies is there the opportunity to move more costs uh, out there i guess that's question one and then secondly in terms of upsell and cross sell that's obviously one of the one of your 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 fly op optionalities going forwards um how much of this is currently self-serve or could be self-serve for existing clients which might actually mean that you know costs for upselling is 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 low and is there more opportunities you move to the IDOX cloud to, to hence see margins higher still? There's a two for now. Thanks. I think in terms of Pune, um, you know, we're just very keen to bring together our, our offshore activities into one coherent centre. Lots. I mean, I think the the advantages of doing so are pretty self-evident. But one of uh, certainly as I've built that kind of operation in the past, you know, one of the things that you really gain through a bit of scale and size is to be able to put in place all the support capabilities that you need to run a successful operation in, in India. So, you know, you need to build up, you know, your HR, your finance capabilities, your, 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 your administrative functions. And by doing so, you're also then able not just to have it as a development center, you, you can offer it as good administrative support. You can do products engagement and management activity from, from that location. But also be able to support, you know, your clients around the clock uh, when it comes to technical capabilities and all sorts of other things. 
So, you know, bringing it together has allowed us to assess what the potential for that business might be going forward and to feel confident that with the right people managing that business uh, for us, it will be able to be a, a really uh, productive part of the group. And, and so that's so that's turning out. So, you know, I think, you know, your, your comments about operational leverage is, is right. You know, we can see the ability to um, just have some balance by offering that capability out there. But also, more, probably most importantly right now is just also having, um, you know, the ability to supplement skills when we, when we need to. Um, you know, skills are, are in high demand. And whilst here at IDOTS, because of all the work we've done around people um, over the past few years, I think we've got, um, you know, lower than average attrition in, in, in our sector by a long way. Um, you know, we are conscious that as we grow, we need to have access to, to capabilities and skills that might be restrictive here in the UK. So building out that operation, I think, is really important uh, for us over the course of the next 12 months. Just on the um, on, on the second question, James, I know we sort of touched on off-sale, cross-sale before. Um, it, it undoubtedly is, is an area of focus for us. I think if we were to sort of reflect over the last two or three years, it, it, there has been upsell, cross-sell, where there's a sort of immediately obvious uh, question to answer, but whether we've been quite as sort of proactive on, on, on that, I think it provides an interesting opportunity going forward, actually. And, and as I sort of mentioned in some of my comments in the presentation, um, we, we're in a really good place now. We've made really good progress with the sales stratification that we, we sort of cited previously with new uh, inside sales desk and revenue assurance, a well-placed to run campaigns to uh, really ensure that the customers are aware of the full suite of, of IDOX uh, products. And of course, that applies even more so uh, as we keep going with our buy and build and, and bring more product sets into the group, both selling IDOX into those customers and, and obviously vice versa. Uh, in terms of the self-service element, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll defer today, but not nothing immediately I'm aware of. I think the majority of our solutions, certainly in the in the land and property, you know, local government regulatory service service, are typically sort of solution-led um, and, and do sort of require a fair degree of, of sort of uh, specialism, quite frankly, from our staff, both in terms of understanding the regulations as well as the actual sort of project management aspect of deployment software. So I don't see that changing in short order. And as Dave mentioned, we've done quite a bit of work on improving data mapping tools, which makes um, those those sorts of things a little bit easier. But I suspect we're a little way off of sort of self-service on the SaaS platform, just by virtue of, of what some of the things we're doing are on those platforms. And okay, maybe just to follow up, you mentioned um, over the next you know over the next few years they may be restricted on skills, uh, and that hence the, the 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 engine operation is good there. But I guess. Any, any sort of thoughts on inflation or wage pressure that you're seeing or, or, or not seeing in the moment? Well, I, th I think for, for us, we're, um, we've had a well-planned and I think well-executed view of, uh, for our, our teams as to what they could expect in terms of salary increases. Um, you know, we've, we've laid that out pretty, pretty early on. Um, you know, I, I did this sort of triple lock. <laughs> Always a bad thing to mention when you deal with government triple locks, right? But... You know, we did do um, uh, that handshake with people that said that you know, we wouldn't go back to paying dividends unless we could make um, salary increases part of our norm and, and people wouldn't get salary increases unless we could get back to dividend payments. I mean, I think that makes good sense for everyone. So, um, you know, we, we've, we've implemented reasonable, I think, reasonable pay increments across the business. But as you know, there are certain parts of the market that are under enormous pressure for talent and, and salaries at the moment. We're not going to get caught up in that. Um, you know, we think people 
work here at IDOX for lots of reasons. Pay is one of them, absolutely important. And it's, it's right that we should be competitive on salaries. But you know, at the same time, um, it's absolutely right that we also manage and, and control costs and we give people career paths and futures. And I think being part of a growing business um, that is focused around IP is, is also very attractive to people as well. It still remains that way. So, you know, the, the, uh, I think, you know, the, the building up of our offshore capabilities allows us to have some mitigation against um, excessive pay increments and allows us to control things a little bit. Um, but it is principal activity during the course of the next two years will definitely be support growth in the business for sure. And we'll go to Ian Robertson from Progressive Research. Hi, guys. Um, great set of numbers. I'm just sort of going to ask a bit of a technical question. I'm trying to understand about the database behind all this. I mean, to what extent are you building, have you got several databases, or to what extent have you just got one, and every time you're acquiring new business, you bring it into your new your existing database? And also, following on from that, on the sales process cycle, is it shortening, lengthening? any change at all in the way in which councils are behaving and does having more things to offer them change the way in which you have to uh, sell to them thanks Ian. morning uh hope you're well on, on the tech side um you know by its very nature idox is a business that that's, that's come together with a, a range of different technologies so there's no one underpinning um technology database that supports every activity that we do However, uh, you know, within the business and certainly one of the fundamental principles that we've adopted during the course of the last three years has been to narrow the technical focus of the business in particular areas so that we have more continuity um, of operating environments and, and for, for, our, for our existing customers. So certainly in the, in the, in the IDOX cloud, we, we've absolutely narrowed to the work that we do with Tascomi, um, the social care um, new product suites that were pushed out uh, during the course of FY21 had uh, all been repositioned and rebuilt under that platform. So that that's our sort of standard go-to in, in that environment. And in in other areas, we just you know narrowed some of the technical choices that had historically been made, uh, upgraded them to make sure that they were more common and, and, and more appropriate for, for customers as they went forward. So so that that's on that one. In in terms of sales process. Um, I, I guess depending on where I started on the circle, I, I could give you a few different answers. I think the upshot is is that, in general, um, sales processes have, have remained fairly resilient and in accordance with what we would have expected. Um, there have been a few that have, have you know maybe been deferred and delayed. Others, surprisingly, that accelerated during the process that we perhaps uh, anticipated. So, but generally speaking, I think they've been pretty robust, which has been quite remarkable, as I said earlier, given you know the levels of, of pressure and, and, and other things that our clients have had to had to endure during this period. Um, but you know, we haven't noticed anything too challenging on that. Uh, what I would say, in, in going back to Rob's comments and, and the thing about cross-sell and upsell, is you know we feel one of the real advantages for IDOX is that you know we're doing important things for clients. You know, we have software that matters in how they perform their day-to-day -day tasks and important legislative and regulatory activities. And because of that, we always have a reason to be in contact with them, you know, whether it's through our support desk, through our professional services group, through our sales teams, um, our customer success teams. You know, there's always a reason for us to be 
in contact with them and understanding what their requirements are, what their needs are, and, and what assistance we can give them. And we think that's an advantage right now because you know if, if you're out there with a great new proposition that that's you know world beating and all the rest of it, that's great. But you do have to get people's attention for that. And I think with everything going on, that 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 has been quite challenging. Um, if you don't have that surrounding engagement with customers that you've established over a period of time, so that that's certainly been helpful to us. Um, and I think you know absolutely was uh, fundamental in as you know, improving the way that our professional services activity delivered during the course of last year, and the amount of work that we did for customers on that basis. I think they were the key drivers. Many thanks. And that's the end of questions. David, do you have any closing remarks? Well, I just thank you for your, you know, your continued interest in the business. I mean, we've, uh, we, we definitely, we, as you know, we always enjoy um, getting together with, with you and, and giving you an insight to our thoughts on the strategic nature of, of IDOX and its transformation. So thank you for that. We, we still believe that you know, this business offers a great investment thesis. Um, you know, I think it's really solid uh, recurring income through long-standing relationships and, uh, and client engagements, which is producing great cash outcomes and able to fuel um, further inorganic growth in the business um, through, through further M&A. So uh, thank you for taking interest. And, and uh, as I say, I think we, we, we believe we've got a really strong proposition for improving shareholder value as we go forward. Thank you. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.